week two of the trial. Uh, This is a sermon series where we are leading up into Easter, where we're really slowing down and looking at uh, this this short, uh, I kind of said this morning uh, at our pre-meeting, it took about six hours for Jesus before Pilate. It's kind of the 6 a.m. when the rooster crows and Peter denies him three times, all the way until noon, it says, that Pilate sits on the judgment seat and says, all right, yeah, you can crucify him. So, so it's a six-hour window. We're spending six weeks in it, and we're looking at different subjects that come up. Last week, we looked at uh, this power uh, kind of clash where we had the religious power and the political power coming with the God power and all kind of smashing together in this moment uh, and reflection on that. This morning, uh, we're going to be looking at the theme that I shared uh, that, that, that's kind of running throughout this entire passage, and that's whether or not Jesus is or is not the king of the Jews, and so I was, I was trying to think, okay, well, what would that mean to be king? And as I thought back in my life at all the different times I've been under a king, uh, it was pretty short. You know, like, I, I think, for real, and I don't know where you guys grew up, but in America, we've never had a king. That, that was kind of one of the points of our founding fathers, that, that we would not have a monarchy, right? I don't know if you've read the Declaration of Independence, uh, but the whole article is essentially saying uh, the king has misused his power, therefore we're declaring independence. Uh, here's, here's a quote that we have from it. Oh, rats, I forgot to turn it on. That would have been an excellent transition. Now I've now I got to stutter. i got to like have some filler here, wait for it to turn on, and then, oh no, it's the green light, right? I'm going to need your help, Evan. I'm clicking it. All right, so now I'll just like... You'll you'll be able to hear when it comes. All right, now this is a quote from the Declaration of Independence. This isn't scripture, okay? It says, In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. This is kind of the conclusion of the matter in the Declaration of Independence. At the very beginning, uh, Thomas Jefferson, he's the guy that wrote it, uh, he argues that the only legitimate government is when the people that are being governed give consent to be ruled. And they say, well, we didn't give consent. In fact, we've, we've tried, we've gone the peaceful route, we've, we've tried to address these things, and you're abusing your power, you're saying no, you're stomping on us, therefore, we declare independence from you. Uh, it was, it was uh, important for our founding fathers not to have a monarchy, especially an absolute monarchy. An absolute monarchy means uh, one person has all the power, they can do whatever they want, no checks and balances, no accountability. Um, there's actually very few countries uh, in the world that have absolute monarchies. When you think of like Great Britain or other nations that have kings and queens, um, it, their, their powers are restricted by constitution or some other you know, political body that also has power, gives them checks and balances, all that kind of thing. Uh, so what I'm trying to say is when I look at what does it mean for Jesus to be king, uh, I don't really know. <laughs> you know, like it's not, it's not something that I understand, but I do understand uh, the hesitation to give power to one person and to just say, you get to be king, you do whatever you want. In fact, in the Bible, if you're to read, remember when we studied that whole series on kings? Uh, some of you wanted to point out in 1 Samuel 8, the Israelites themselves wanted kings. They said, why can't we be like all the other nations? Here, give us a king, give us a king. This one, Samuel, the prophet, uh, was kind of the leader and he was getting old, but his sons weren't fit to lead. Um, and, and, and Samuel says, no, 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 you don't want a king because if you give someone absolute power, he's going to take, take, take. Everything you have, your sons, your daughters, he's going to conscript them. He's going to use them for whatever he wants to do, all your, your food and all your valuables. He's going to take them, and then you won't have anything left. Like everything you have, you realize this. If you have a king, everything you have is his, 
and he does whatever he wants. There's no, no accountability to power. And the, the people are like, yeah, absolutely. We just, we want him to go before us and fight our battles. You know, and so uh, God, it, it says, kind of has a conversation with Samuel. He says, don't worry, Samuel. This is God talking to Samuel. Don't worry, they've rejected me as their king, you know, but we'll, we'll allow them to have a king. And then God uses the kings, and we studied the kings, you know, back in the fall about what that looks like. But there's these hesitancies about giving someone absolute power right? Like a king is like, whoa, get careful, you know, they get everything, you know, there's nothing that's held back. And so uh, when we're looking today, uh, I want to ask the question, oh, let me try it. Nope, you got to ask it. All right, the, the question that I want to ask us today is, would it be better for us to just consider him like a president, right? Contextualize it, you know, most of the translations are in English and with language that we have. Let's just, let, let's make it simpler for us to understand uh, that Jesus is, came as a president, right? Not as our king. That's, that's what we're going to explore today. Um, and we're going to do it through uh, reading uh, a little bit of Luke and then John. Uh, hit the next slide. Yes. This is, uh, no, I, I'm just not going to say it. I, 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 I'll give you credit. I'll give you credit. All right, here's where we're starting. This is the very beginning, right? So uh, Jesus is arrested. He has this false trial before the chief priests, before the religious leaders. They uh, view him as guilty because he claims to be the son of God. So they take him to Pilate. Pilate's the one who has power uh, for life and death, and they really want Pilate to give him the death sentence. So here's, here's where we are. It says, Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, a king. And so there's, there's kind of three different charges there uh, that are being presented. The first is he's subverting the nation, meaning, you know, he's causing riots. You know, he's causing some unrest right now. He's, he's teaching people not to pay taxes to Caesar. That's an outright lie. There's even a story that we have in the Gospels where Jesus says, Give to Caesar what is Caesar, but give to God what is God's, right? Uh, but those two things Pilate would hear because I, I kind of joked last week, all Pilate really wanted to do is keep the order, keep the peace, keep people paying taxes, keep people from causing riots. And so the chief priests are, are like, oh yeah, hey, this guy's doing those things that you don't want. Like, they, like, I don't know what Pilate thought of Jesus. I don't know what he had heard about Jesus, but the chief priests are trying to present Jesus as this kind of troublemaker, rebellious guy that you really got to kill, otherwise your job's at stake, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of what the chief priests are doing here. And so Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. Uh, it's interesting. So they say that he's the Messiah, you know, as their kind of their third charge. And then they, they help Pilate understand that's like a king, <laughs> you know, because it's a very religious charge that they had just found him, the, the son of God, right? He's claiming to be this Messiah, this promised one who comes. Uh, maybe Pilate doesn't know. Uh, when Pilate uses this, are you the king of the Jews, the title itself means something. Uh, we, we've heard from Josephus, who was an early Roman uh, historian, uh, writing at the time that there were other people who would take on the title of king of the Jews if they wanted to create a new nation state just for Jews, right? So, so the Jews living in Jerusalem and Judah was a part of the Roman Empire under the emperor, under the Caesar, and, and they really didn't like that. They, they felt like their identity was in their ethnicity and their religion, and so they wanted to be separate. And so during Jesus' time, there would be various people who would gather small brigands of bandits that would run around and they would oppose Rome. They would start rebellions, and, they would, and, and the leader would call themselves, I'm the king of the Jews. All right, follow me. We're making a new kingdom, a kingdom of Jews, and I'm the king of the Jews. Obviously, uh, Pilate's job uh, would be to squash these, right? And to, to find the king of the Jews, the leader, and to execute them, right? And so Pilate wants to know, Jesus, you, you the king of the Jews? You call yourself that? You, you want to take that up? Jesus, 
nonchalant response. Well, you said it. You know, he's just almost like, okay, sure, whatever. You know, there, there's a couple other responses in the Gospels. Uh, one time he goes, well, did you say that about yourself or did you hear someone else tell, say that? But like Jesus is kind of sidestepping. He's not saying he's not, but he's also not, yes, I'm, I'm the king of the Jews, right? And so there's this little question. Is, is he the king of the Jews or is he not? Uh, Pilate quickly finds out whatever Jesus is, he's no threat. He, like when we read through the passage, Pilate is not threatened by Jesus at all. And he kind of almost, he's almost amused that here's, oh, this is the king of the Jews because Jesus doesn't have an army. Right? I mean, he was arrested in a garden without a fight. You know, like, th- like this hadn't bubbled up to like uprising level where Pilate has to come in. It's like his own people, the chief priests handed him over and said, this is the king of the Jews. You know, it's like, and so, so Pilate is kind of mocking the whole situation, right? He keeps calling him the king of the Jews. One hand to humiliate Jesus. You, king of the Jews? <laughs> you know, like, you have no power. Where, where's your army? You know, where's your kingdom now? You know, and so there's, there's a, a tinge of sarcasm, but mocking in order to humiliate Jesus. Oh, the king of the Jews. And so he keeps calling him that. On the other hand, he's also mocking the chief priests, right, that really need him to, to crucify Jesus, to execute Jesus. He's like, oh, you want me to kill your king? Yeah, the king of the Jews. They're like, no, 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 no. He's not our king. He just, thinks he, he just thinks he's the king of the Jews, right? That's the problem. No, and, and Pilate keeps pushing him, right? He's like, this is your king. Are you sure you want this? You know, like to, to tease them, right? As if saying like, well, you guys want your own separate state and here's your king and now we're going to crucify him. And so the whole thing, there's this confusion by Pilate, but also he's, he's amused and, and he wants to really needle, not only Jesus and kind of kick him down, like that's why the soldiers are beating and mocking him because it's, it's, it's that much more enjoyable to knock someone back a peg, right? This guy claimed to be king, look at him now, ha <laughs> ha, you know, and so, like, and so they're beating him, they're mocking him, they're spitting on him, like yeah, some king, right? And then there's uh, even more detail, right, where, where Pilate uh, when he's crucified, uh, we see that he actually puts a sign above the cross that he's attached to. All right, hit the next one. Switch the switch. Is it on? Oh, I'm clicking on the screen. So there's two different buttons, guys. One's the on-off switch. One's like make it work switch. Oh, I don't, I'm clicking. I'm, I'm somewhere else now. hey right, Did the timer start? I only got four minutes left, guys. Come on. We got to go quick. All right, no, this is, this is when Jesus is sentenced to crucifixion. He's hung on the cross. It says this, Pilate had, I'm, I'm in John 19 now. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. And what's, what's interesting is all four gospels have this little detail right? What specifically it said on the sign. The people don't want to, to claim that this is our king. No, no, no. no. He, just, he just claimed to be the, the, the king of the Jews. He's not actually our king. And Pilate, I, you don't know his motivation, right? You, know, you don't know if he's kind of thinking in his mind like, well, it might be better if I just write the king of the Jews, you know, because I'm not entirely sure now that we've had this conversation. Or if he, he wants to just kind of shove it back in their face. Yeah, this is your king. We're killing him. But all four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all write down specifically what did it say on the cross when Jesus is lifted up, the king of the Jews. Because to the gospel writers, 
This was a proclamation. This was not some mistake. This was not Pilate simply uh, trying to needle the chief priests, you know, the, the religious leaders. They recognize that this is Jesus being lifted up as the king. Something else is going on here. Uh, we already saw a mock ceremony. This is uh, earlier in John 19. This is verse 1 through 3. It says, Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they slapped him in the face. Like if you, if you take out the violence, the sarcasm, the mockery here, do you know what you have? Right? You, you, have, you have a man coming from the public honored before the chief religious leaders, the religious powers, the political powers. They're coming. This man uh, submits himself to them. They place a crown on his head. They place royal clothes on him, and they hail him king, right? And they say, God save the king, right? Did you, didn't any of you guys watch the coronation of King Charles this past year? It's real boring. I don't, don't recommend it, you know, but it, but it looks like this, right? It's in a church, the political leaders are there. The religious leaders are there. He's wearing the special clothes. A crown is put on his head. And all the people, they say, God save the king, right? They pray for him and they, and they coronate him. That's what it's called. It's called coronation when a king becomes king and there's a ceremony. Pilate is mocking that, right? He's like, oh, yeah, little King Jesus. All right, here, here yeah, bring, bring that, bring that. Yeah, here, oh, here's your crown. Here's the king, right? He's humiliating Jesus, and he, he, he showed, here's your king. <laughs> yeah, here, yeah, make a crown, make a crown. <laughs> you know, slapping him. All hail King Jesus, all sarcasm, right? But here's the thing. The gospel writers recognized this wasn't a mockery. This wasn't fake. Pilate was humiliating him, but it's in his humiliation that he is glorified. This is Jesus' coronation ceremony. Jesus was always anointed as king. He was always going to be the king, forever will be king, but is here in a real time event in human history, Jesus is coronated. Now you are publicly declared to be the king, not just of the Jews, but of everything. Jesus himself said, he who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. He says that twice in Luke. Here he is showing us the path of the cross, the path of humiliation before everyone else in order that he might be exalted and experience exaltation and glorification. I want to read... Um, a psalm, Psalm 2, it's a, a prophecy about a human king that is installed by God. I'm going to read uh, verse 1 through uh, 7. Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles, or saying, let's be independent. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Paul quotes this psalm when he's preaching, when he's sharing the gospel in Pisidian Antioch. This is Acts chapter 13. He says, this was fulfilled when Jesus died on the cross and rose again. That was when Jesus was installed as king over the entire earth in human history, to the public, when it was made known, when he was coronated. It's right here during the trial. It's through his humiliation that he is glorified. He told, he told his disciples, it's now time for the, for the Son of Man to be glorified. He told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 that the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone can look to him and receive salvation. It's right here that he's lifted up, that he takes his throne that he's always supposed to have. I want to read Philippians 2 verse 5 through 11. 
It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is through his humiliation, through his humility, in, in, in submitting to the earthly, worldly powers that want to reject him, even becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, that he is then therefore exalted, glorified, and set as king, not just of the Jews, but of everyone, everything, heaven and on earth and under the earth, all power is given to him, all authority is placed under his feet. That's what we talked about last week. I want us to see that when we look at Jesus' life, particularly the very end of his life, his death, when he's beaten, when he's mocked, when the crown of thorns is placed on his head, when he's placed on the cross, when he's lifted up, that is when he takes the throne publicly, when he becomes the king of everyone. So, so our, our uh, main point that I'm building to, right? When people present Jesus as king, they say, you know, so Jesus is king, so what do, what do you say? Do you choose to make him king in your life? You know, is it, do you want to make him king of your life? Look, I hate to tell you, but actually, I'd love to tell you, buddy, uh, you don't choose whether or not Jesus is king. You know, that's just reality, right? Like, Jesus is king. He was coordinated. He's king over everyone. The, the only choice you have is whether or not you're going to be a law-abiding citizen in that kingdom or you're going to be a rebel on the outskirts. You know what I'm saying? So, so is he president or is he king? Like, is he president where we get a vote in the matter, where we get to say, yes, I vote for you, Jesus. You can be elected. In four years, if I don't like you, you're out. No, he is king. He has absolute authority. No checks and balances. There's no accountability. He has all power. Everything you have is his, right? Like, like you have nothing of your own. You cannot say, no, I actually don't like you ruling. I'm going to set up my own kingdom over here. Or rather, could we have someone else take the throne? Whether you like it or not, Jesus is king. He was coordinated. He was lifted up and he's seated at the throne above everyone, heaven, earth, under the earth. No, no one's untouched. Jesus is king, not president, not anything else, Right? Now, there's, there's one other uncomfortable passage that I want us to sit in. Uh, this is more the application side of the sermon. That was the truth side of the sermon. We just have to acknowledge him. He is king. Uh, it comes when, uh, when Pilate keeps calling them, uh, we'll call Jesus the king of the Jews, the king of the Jews. They're like, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. We don't, we don't believe this. We're not, we're not following him. We don't think he's our king. You know, and, and they catch themselves saying some pretty interesting things. Um, oh, man, I got an extended passage here, so I... Let me, let me read it in my Bible so you guys can follow it because I can't read that up there. All right, this is 19. I'm going to be uh, verse 12 all the way down to 16. Uh, this is uh, after uh, Pilate finds him innocent, after he's been mocked, after the coronation ceremony, but right before G uh, Pilate decides Jesus will be crucified. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. 
When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here's your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. We have no king but Caesar. That's, that's coming from the lips of the people that knew the most about who God was, right? Like that's coming from the people that regularly gathered to praise God and to ascribe to him all power and authority, right? That's coming from the people who, um, who knew all of what the ancient Israelites were asking for when they asked for a king and God relents and finally gives him a king, gives them a king, saying that the people have rejected me as their king, right? This is coming from the people whose daily livelihood and jobs is consumed by teaching other people who God is and how they can lift him up. We have no king but Caesar, a human. Oh, that's bad. That's really bad. And that's us. That's really us, right? If, if we want to look closely at this passage, we can see ourselves in the response of the religious leaders. See, it's, it's very easy on a Sunday morning to say, all hail King Jesus, to say, I lay my crowns down at the feet of Jesus, to say, I have no king but Jesus. It's a lot harder on a Friday night, right? On a Monday morning, all throughout the week. We are going to get pushed and pulled and put into situations where we feel we have to prove our loyalty to something other than God, right? We have to, we have to prove that I'm loyal to this thing. Why? I'll prove it. Here, look, I have no king but, right? Fill in the blank. I have no king but my family. No, family first, absolutely, right? I, I have no king but my spouse. I have no king but my job. I mean, this, this is what, no king, right? And maybe it's, not our, maybe it's not our voices, right? Maybe not we're saying this. Maybe it's our actions. It's our actions. I have no king but my own comfort. I have no king but my pleasure. I have no king but Donald Trump. No, I'm just kidding. I, I won't, maybe I shouldn't use, shouldn't use names. The, the, the censors on YouTube will get, no. I have no king but my candidate. You know what I'm saying? Like we'll get put in a situation. Where I have no king but my image, how I look to other people. I have no king but my own freedom, my own autonomy, being able to do whatever I want. See, when push comes to shove, when we get put in situations, we easily fall into, well, I don't have any king but Jesus. No, I, I'm, I'm all the way. No, look, you can test me. Look, I'm, I'm doing this. Fill in the blank, right? We, I could put up church. I have no king but ensuring our church survives, right? It's like, whoa, what? No, no, I have no king but Jesus. That's the only answer. How can we say that? How, see, so, so my mind says, well, how, how can we prevent this? Right? I don't want to be a chief priest. I recognize my human flesh. I am weak and that there are times where I want to compromise, where I want to put something else above God. And, and, and maybe with my actions, I demonstrate, well, this area, I'm, I'll, I'll do this dedicated. Yeah, sorry, God, I'll come back to you when I have time. Right? And we, we want to take him off the throne. I want to prevent that. How do we do that? This passage uh, gives us nothing but despair because <laughs> it was the chief priest that said this. It was one's attending church. Is the ones who had studied the Bible, memorized the Bible. They knew all the right answers, right? So the answer isn't read your Bible more. It's not attend church more. Oh, what's the answer? 
Walk with Jesus more, right? Well, Peter denied him three times, right? He said, I will follow you to the death, Lord. And Jesus is like, nah, let's see about that in about 12 hours, <laughs> you know? Failed. How? How? It's impossible. How, how can we follow Jesus, right? How can we say, I have no king but Jesus every day of the week in every situation? Well, there's, there's hope, <laughs> And I want to look at the one Pharisee that when the chief priests were getting together, he would stand up for Jesus. The one Pharisee that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he wasn't mocking him. In fact, when he died, he took him off. He respected his body and wanted to give him a proper burial. It's the same Pharisee that came to Jesus in John chapter 3 at night with a posture of curiosity and humility. It's Nicodemus. He wanted to know, okay, Jesus, I'm missing something. Who are you, right? And Jesus talks with him. Nicodemus is willing to be critiqued a little bit if you read all of John chapter 3. But there's some words of hope that Jesus shares with Nicodemus. Jesus answered, this is verse 5, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. Jesus had just told Nicodemus that you have to be born again. In order to be able to declare that I have no king but Jesus, to be in the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. Nicodemus is like, ah, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, Jesus is like, no, no, no. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You aren't able to say that on your own. In your flesh, as a human, in your weakness, in your brokenness, you can't declare, Jesus, you alone are my king. We can't properly understand and recognize the fact that Jesus is king without the Spirit inside of us. We need to have new life transformed by the Spirit in order that we can be born again and say, yes, Lord Jesus, you are King and King alone. We're going to take time this morning to take communion. Uh, communion is when we remember this process when Jesus is lifted up on the cross, but it's also a time when we get to participate in that. I want to invite all of us to invite the Spirit into our life to give us new life so that we can be able to declare, you, God, Jesus, you alone are my king. I, I, I repent of bowing down to any other thing in my life. I confess I do it. I confess I'm weak and I forget this. I can say it now. I mean, I can preach it today, but then tomorrow I'll be tempted to bow down to some other lesser God. But you, Lord, can you give new life in me, new, new birth, so I can be a new person in the kingdom, I can declare you alone, Lord, are my king. Uh, I'm going to set aside this space on the right. So that's kind of our prayer corner. We introduced it last week. Um, if you want to take communion over here and you just want to pray between you and God and say, Spirit, I need new life. I need new birth. You want to confess your sins, repent, receive forgiveness, come over here. You can sit down on the couches. You can stand. You can kneel in the front. Uh, the people serving communion, after everyone's gotten communion, they'll come over and bring it right to you. You don't even have to worry about getting in line. Uh, for everyone else, we'll get in line uh, down this kind of side aisle here, and then we'll co go back to our seats. Once everyone has it, we'll come up and we'll take it together. But I just want to invite everyone, whether this, you've never invited the Holy Spirit into your life or you're feeling, I need, let me just repent and receive him again. Uh, may that be your heart posture, whether it's over there, whether it's at your seat, wherever it is choose to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you might declare, I have no king but Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, you are king, period. <laughs> we, we didn't say that. You said that. You declared that. You installed him. You orchestrated events in order that he might publicly be coronated 
as king and then lifted up on the cross and then elevated in glory through his resurrection and ascension to the throne in the heavens above God. You're king over all things. We confess that this morning. We also confess that we are tempted to bow down to other kings. We are tempted to take you off the throne and elevate other things or other people higher than you. Lord, forgive us for these things. We only want you as our king. We, we only acknowledge you as our king. And we recognize we cannot proclaim that with integrity without your spirit living inside us. So I pray that you would come. You would give us new life. Show us your forgiveness. Show us your redemption. Show us the life, the new birth that you have for us so that we can live as a part of your kingdom, God, and yours alone. We thank you. And in your name we pray. Amen.